Cousin Jared, our uh, first football show of the fall of 2023. So I'm wearing a football jersey. Uh, mm. you know, yeah. What, what do you know? And then in the, na- the nationality uh, matches uh, for, for it, one of the games that we're going to be seeing this week. It does. It does. It works out nicely. Cousin uh, Jared, this is our third season to do these YouTube shows. Yeah, uh, the college football season. Uh, I'm I'm honored that people continue to watch us uh, yep. talk about college football. Um, I, you know, where, where's the time gone? Yeah, who who makes the rules? Like, who lets us do this? I mean, besides our you know gracious families who put up with our nonsense. But I mean, I'm still shocked that some people watch us. But hey, we're glad you're here. We are glad you're here. There's never. Uh, 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 a lack of imposter syndrome on any of these things, right? Yeah, it's, right, uh, right. It's, it's a real thing. Yeah. Uh, we have a new and improved sideline this year that has it's going to project, project totals. It's got offensive and defensive grade, just like I have for baseball and college basketball. Same scaling where 100 is average. Uh, standard deviation 15 higher means more points. So for defense, you want to be lower. For offense, you want to be higher. Special teams gets weird. So for special teams, higher is better. Uh, but it, it's also got some fun things that I haven't quite pulled it all out yet, but I am working on a way to do so for all of our people on dub club. It actually has positional rankings as well. So you can see the grades for quarterback, running back receivers, uh, line, you know, different, you know, secondary linebackers, you know, all that fun stuff. So it's a very new and improved to spend a lot of time working on this started on it actually last year during bowl season T- took some time off of course to, to do college basketball and baseball but spent a lot of time working on it. so i'm really excited about the new new and improved college football version of sideline yeah see while while you've been working on sideline i was you know sitting in church this morning and and the pastor just somebody who went to the university of texas and he, he talked about texas a&m for like five minutes at the beginning of the sermon it was very kind words said by the pastor about a&m and so that's how you know it's football season is when the pastor opens up his sermon with you know a UT grad talking about A and M grads, it's just really the the best time of year. That's how I was spending you know my time instead of you know you working on sideline. I'm just sitting there listening to other people talk about college football. Uh, yeah, there it goes. Uh, but I mean, you got you got to absorb it so that you can then relay it to our our listeners. Because uh, Jared, we are missing an annual tradition, which is Nebraska yeah. playing on week zero. Uh, yeah. Our first yeah. ever episode, we talked about Nebraska and that was uh, quite a preview that you gave two years ago yeah. about the team and how they were going to fall apart. And you were like reading the offseason quotes and you were just like, this is not going yeah. well. And sure enough, it did not go well. Then they opened up again last year. Yeah. Uh, no week zero game for Nebraska this year. So uh, it's kind of kind of sad times around here, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I was really looking forward to to getting to talk about Nebraska, especially um, now because in, in my, my work life now, I interact with a lot more people that went to the University of Nebraska. And um, the, the best example I can give is, you know, we were in like a team building event. You, you know, there were some Nebraska grads there. And it was like, hey, if you could go back in a time machine, you go forward in time, backwards in time, what would you do? And you heard all these u- unique answers about going forward or back in time for these various reasons. And one of the Nebraska grads said, I would like to go back to 1994 and 1995. So that just kind of tells you what the Nebraska fans um, feel like. And in my opinion, like you kind of knew what you were getting with Nebraska the past couple of years. And I I feel like we harped on that a a lot. You kind of knew exactly what you were getting from this team. And 
I'm not sure what you're going to get from Nebraska this year, but that's, in my opinion, a very good thing um, yeah. because you knew what you had was bad, and this season could not go well. Um, but if it doesn't go well, it's not going to be because of the same reasons that the previous seasons hasn't gone well. I think if it doesn't go well this season, it's going to be because Rule got there and he's like, I've got to burn this thing to the ground. Yeah, uh, before yeah. I can kind of build it back up. So I wanted to ask you, as somebody who attended a university where Matt Rule was was mm-hmm. a coach and kind of got to see the, the very fast progress that he made in the few years he was there, mm-hmm. what do you think that we're going to see from Nebraska and maybe more specifically like Matt Rule this year? So I, I actually think it, it, this might be Matt Rule's best first season ever, mm-hmm. uh, simply because he inherited that uh, Temple program that was in shambles. And built them up, and he inherited a Baylor program that was in shambles. I mean, yeah, more than shambles. Yeah, more than shambles. I mean, getting there and had like one scholarship player, uh, literally like one guy who or one commit or whatever who who everybody else left. Um, it, it was just a disaster there. And uh, now he, he's actually got some players. Now he does need to you know change some things around to get his guys, etc. But uh, he's been very comfortable saying like, I don't care how bad we are this year, we're building towards next year. And I think he's going to do the same thing here at Nebraska, but uh, he, he might actually win a few games because he'll have more talent this year yeah. in year one than he's had before. Uh, and I'm not sure about this year, but I do think Nebraska's got good things coming forward. I mean, Matt Rule is a fantastic college football coach. I mean, you saw yeah. it again a few previous stops. Uh, obviously, he didn't do well in Carolina, but uh, if you remember, a, a guy by the name of Nick Saban, I think was his name, uh, yeah. did not do well with the Miami Dolphins, and I think things have turned out okay for him. So, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's just a different world in the NFL for most coaches. So, yeah, yeah. Good things yeah. coming for Nebraska. Yeah, I, I definitely agree agree with that assessment. Now, they're going to be hurt when the Big Ten gets rid of, rid of divisions or they, they change things up yeah. in, in the next couple of years. Um, but but still, I think they're going to be playing much better. Also very interested to see what they do with Jeff Sims, who transferred from Georgia Tech, going to be the starting quarterback there this year. I don't recall um, Rule having like a dual-threat quarterback like that before, especially at least not at the stop at Baylor. He didn't. So I, I think there's definitely reasons to be optimistic, and I don't yeah. think you're going to see Nebraska just constantly beating themselves this yeah. year. And I, that's going to be a, a welcome change for sure. Yeah, I, I'm just real curious before we, we move off of Nebraska, uh, why do, do we think Scott Frost failed there? Because he had success at his previous stop going back to your alma mater. I mean, was it just too much pressure and too much, you know, back home, that sort of thing? But I mean, it seemed like a solid hire at the time. Sometimes you see yeah, a hire. Yeah. Sometimes you see a hire and, and you look at it and you kind of know, hey, I've seen what this guy's done and, and what he's done with those guys. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's a long list of guys I think we've questioned the hire at the time, but that seemed like a pretty solid hire, right? Yeah, no, it seemed like a great hire at the time. Um, I think probably at least half of the reason it didn't work, you can go on Google and just Google it and don't want to besmirch anybody here. But I think you can go on Google and find like part of the reasons why it didn't work. Yeah. Definitely some dirty laundry got aired around the time that Frost yeah. left about how, some of the other things that might've been going on there. But yeah. that team, it, it's just- But, but th- those are things that you wouldn't have foreshadowed, I guess, when the hire was made. Cor- correct. Like, you could, you could not have seen that that was going to happen. Yeah. But after a couple of years, I just, it's one of those things where- bad things kept happening and it was almost like you just you just had to to change the guy at the top because there was just this uh, almost like this dread of like 
everybody was just waiting. When's the bad things going to happen? When's the other shoe going to drop? And I think that after a couple of seasons, it just got so ingrained that, man, something bad is going to happen. I think everybody was playing uptight and everybody was always waiting for the other shoe to drop. And in any sport, you can't play that way. And so I think there were a lot of off the field things contributed to this, but I definitely think there was a mental aspect with both the coach and the players that, Hey, something's going to go wrong here. And it's like with your alma mater, it almost seems like when things go well, they go doubly well. And when things go wrong, it goes really wrong. And it's like then the pressure and then you start like, this is my dream job and I'm blowing it. And it it just spirals out of control, but it was, you know, obviously an unfortunate set of events for them, but I think good things of course to come, Um, you know, for Nebraska, new things, there are new things in college football with the running clock. Uh, after the first down, it'll look a little bit more like an NFL game. Uh, we're expecting uh, a shout out to uh, Bill Connolly of ESPN. Kind of did the math for me, uh, you know, and and so I didn't have to run through the math and figure it out. He kind of did the math and published, uh, you know, on Twitter. And he kind of said, uh, expecting about five percent fewer plays uh, based off of some math about some time uh, of how many fewer plays you're going to have, and that's going to then translate to fewer scores. So we're going to see slightly less scoring here. Uh, this year, so that's something to take note of. Because, uh, Jerry, any thoughts on the on the clock change uh, this season for college football? I mean, who doesn't like a good under? Is is what I would say. That's the first thing. And um, as a season ticket holder to a certain college football team that I might be wearing right now, yep. I love this. You know, when yeah. when you're sitting at home on a Saturday, who cares how long the games are? Yeah, it gets annoying when the windows overrun. It still gets kind of long. To, yeah, you have to flip back and forth. The games still get long, but it's nothing like actually being at a game. Yeah. And you see yeah. the, the ref with the yellow mitt on come out there with the countdown clock about how long the next TV timeout's going to be. And there, there's nothing worse than that. Um, mm-hmm. So the at-home viewing experience, not going to change that much. For the people who go to the games in person, I think this is going to be a pleasant change because even if it's 10 minutes off of the game, it's going to make it, I think it's going to make it flow a lot better. So at one point I never would have said this, but I am perfectly fine with this change. I used to think, man, this is one of the things that makes college football different than the NFL. I don't want it to change, but maybe I'm just getting, you know, crotchety in my old age. Um, if it takes 10 minutes off the game, I'm great with it. Yeah. Yeah. And you're going to have, you know, fewer plays, hopefully, you know, fewer injuries, uh, yep, yep. you know, the logistics of it aside, we're not here to necessarily comment too much of that other than just how it's going to affect your gambling. Just yep. take note. I think the books have taken note. So I don't think you're going to, yep. I don't think you're early on going to find a huge edge. Uh, I, I think one of the things that, that, uh, Mr. Connolly over there at ESPN noted, uh, and I completely agree. We're going to take this week zero data, especially week one data, and maybe adjust that because we don't really know exactly how teams are going to adjust their play. Yeah, they yeah. could allow it. To, it could it could be more like three percent or more like seven percent, and that would jump your totals up or down another couple of points easily. Uh, just because uh, and and certain teams may do different things too differentially so just things to keep an eye on there because teams may decide uh based off of that change here's how we're going to try to maximize our competitive advantage uh and that could mean slowing things down a little bit more speeding them up a little bit more not really sure exactly what teams will do yet uh the coaches obviously know we're not talking to them unfortunately uh, about that so something to keep an eye on there other than that, though, uh, let's get to it. The Week Zero slate, not the highest quality of games, but it's college football. We'll be watching it. We'll be betting on it. Uh, and hopefully, because yeah. uh, of Jerry, we were joking beforehand, hopefully the quality of the show is better than the quality of these games because there's not a lot to love from a just pure – I'm not sure I'm not sure if this was a regular week I'd watch any one of these games other than the middle one there. 
other than that, I would not watch the other six. But, you know, hey, we're going to watch it. We're going to bet on it. We're going to enjoy it. And it'll be good yeah. to get back into college football. That, that's just what I was going to say is week zero, the best time to bury some awful game that otherwise would get zero television exposure. Week zero yeah. is your time. Yep. We're going to show off 2.30 p.m. Eastern, Navy at Notre Dame, uh, across the pond over there in Ireland. Because, uh, Jerry, my first question about this game, why is this game not being played at, like, 10 a.m.? Uh, and, and starting off just a glorious day of college football, I feel like we botched this and set up and, and not having it earlier in the day. Well, if if you had to sit through the Northwestern Nebraska game last year, I, I you know I think that just scarred that time period because that game kicked off at ten thirty or eleven at least here Central Time Zone, um, and I think they saw the quality of that game and said, Nah, we're we're good. We're going to push this back a little bit, maybe reduce the amount of jet lag. Of course, the teams have been over there for a long time, but more staying on their standard uh, body clock time. I'm just making that up. I have no idea why it's Notre Dame. They get preferential. TV. Yeah, it's Notre Dame. They get preferential TV windows. Yeah. I mean, that's probably you know I'm just here to state facts. Uh, yeah, that's that's probably it. Here we are. Uh, this shapes up to be a blowout. I don't think that's really breaking any news. Uh, Notre Dame's offense, a full standard deviation better than league average. Navy's offense, full standard deviation below. I say league. I'm just saying league yeah, average. Uh, college football, yeah. FCS average. Notre Dame's offense gets a little bit of a ding in the ratings because of their slower pace of play because they are – constantly running the ball and you run the ball. There's no complete passes and complete passes. Stop the clock or new rules, you know, aside, stop the clock on an incomplete pass. So, um, you know, it, it turns out that that's going to uh, kind of slow their offense in a little bit. It makes their defense a little bit better on a, on a per play basis. Their defense is well worse than average. It's just that mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't reflect as well in the points that they allow because of uh, their their style of play. Here's the thing that's interesting to talk about in this game, though, is I built this into the model. Um, a team that is losing and or a triple option team affects the spread in a specific way based off their style of play. What I mean by that is if a team is losing and they're a bad defense, high offense, pass team, that's built into the model to say they're actually going to lose by more than you would think because the only way they're going to come back is by continuing to pass, and that's going to make for more possessions, and that's going to lead to a a bigger blowout. A team like Navy or another team that just runs the ball a lot, plays really good defense, is going to lose by less than you would expect simply because – they're going to limit the number of possessions. We see this constantly with these triple option teams. Uh, if you are not taking that into account, you are doing something wrong, that it is not normal football with the way they play. That minimizes the amount that they should be favored or they, that they would, they would lose a game otherwise by against a team like Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. That said, the model still has Notre Dame minus 29. Uh, Notre Dame should still win pretty handily. I've got them at a 97% chance to win, uh, 3% chance of Navy to win. Uh, you know, a triple option gets weird. Uh, we've seen, you know, it would be a pretty crazy upset. 3% is pretty crazy. Uh, a 75% chance to cover early on in the season. You get some really big edges here that the numbers are just, the math is just kind of, you know, we're all a little bit uncertain. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the key to note on this one of the game the probability discovers is probably not 75%. That's, that's probably inflated by just weird early on early season samples. Everything's a little bit more off. The key is we're all a little bit more off. And, and by all, I mean, all the books included, the mm-hmm. edges will get smaller as the season goes along. You will never see an edge like this from a mathematical standpoint because the books know more, but we will know more as well. Early on, we don't know as much. And so some people are like, Oh, we just don't bet early on. We don't know anything, but the books don't know anything either. 
Yep. And so we're all in the same playing field. So you see some weird numbers like this. It's probably not actually 75%. It's just what the computer spits out based off of if Notre Dame minus 29 was the real spread. They're actually favored by 20. You're crossing a lot of key numbers at 20. Uh, so this is a pretty strong model pick, Notre Dame minus 20. Cousin Jared, what do you got for us on this one? Ooh, I got a lot to say about this game. So number one with, with Notre Dame, you felt like they kind of, they played well last season. Tyler Buckner was hurt a lot of the season. He came back. He, he had some downtimes, but he definitely looked good. He ended up with a really good bowl game last year. And then they get bring in Sam Hartman as a transfer mm-hmm. out of Wake Forest. And you're thinking, hey, this could really work out. Sam Hartman's a, a great quarterback. But then Tommy Reese leaves to go to Alabama. And so you're like, okay, now I'm getting a new offense coordinator with mm-hmm. potentially a quarterback battle going on here. And then Buckner transfers to Alabama. And now you've got Sam Hartman with a new offense coordinator, which Sam Hartman, again, a very good player, but an offense coordinator that he didn't necessarily commit to. And I'm sure didn't think that's who he was going to be playing for when he went there. And again, Love me some Sam Hartman. The offense that he yeah, played yeah. in at Wake Forest was very, very – A little different. Uh, very different. The long mesh that they ran uh, – again, not saying that he won't be successful at Notre Dame, but he came from a very unique offense. I think there's a lot of factors here where you could easily see Notre Dame being fine on offense as the season goes along, but having some kinks to work out um, the first couple of games of the season. And I think this line might be set where it is, uh, both yeah. the total and uh, you know the spread, because you could say, okay, well, maybe – Notre Dame has some bumps on offense and Notre Dame is, or sorry, excuse me, Navy is the type of team that's going to hold on to the ball, really limit the number of possessions and everything. Um, but folks, let me tell you, I think we're forgetting how bad Navy was last year and has been, I think maybe the past two years, yeah. they've been really bad. And this is going to be the first and, year. And especially on offense, just unable to move the ball. I yes. mean, just yes. two yard run, two yard run, three yard run punt. I mean, it is just miserable to watch. It has been very un- Looking forward to, to it though. Looking forward to it. Yeah. And, and their first season without Ken Niamatololo, they got the new coach Newberry in there. Well they're still, yeah. They're, they're going to run. They're still going to run the ball a lot. I think you might see a couple of big runs in the first quarter. Maybe they throw in a couple of wrinkles that, yeah. that Notre Dame hasn't seen, but once you get to the bread and butter of the triple option, I mean, Notre Dame, athletically just completely outclasses them. And I think it's going to be tough sledding for Notre Dame after about midway through the first quarter or the end of the first quarter. I think they're going to pull out all the tricks early and then what are they going to get? So um, I like laying the 20 points in Notre Dame. I think that's way short there, just way, way better than what Navy's been, especially with Navy, um, you know, bringing on a new coach. And and I think the under is good too, for multiple reasons. If uh, Navy has any success on the ground, they're going to keep the ball out of Notre Dame's hands. But I don't think they're going to have much success on the ground. But again, I think you can easily see some bumps in the road for Notre Dame too offensively in this very first game. So uh, I think there's multiple ways to, to play this game with it that have a little bit of value. Yep. So still working on how I'm going to get all the information out there. Still working on that coding. But we have Notre Dame at minus 20. That is an A-grade play. It is a strong model pick. Uh, that cousin Jared that you like as well. And we're also on the under 51. It is a medium level model play. It's a B grade, both like the under, uh, not as big of an edge as Notre Dame minus 20. I think the key thing, we're talking a lot about key numbers this season, that the numbers really matter. Uh, Similar to baseball where the the price matters, right? The numbers matter in college football uh, here. We are going to have some money line stuff for our people over on Dub Club. Uh, Not going to have much money line stuff to talk about here because money lines usually aren't out as early as we record these shows. Uh, But when we're talking about key numbers here, when you're at 20, uh, 
they could easily win by exactly 20 if the push protection on a semi-common number, 21 being common, 24 being common, 27 being common, 28 being common, and you get to 29, which is what the model says. You're crossing so many key numbers that this is a really strong pick. Even if there are some bumps in the roads and this number should be minus 24, you're still crossing some really key numbers there, right? You know, 20, 21, 24, and that sort of thing. So uh, a pretty, pretty strong play here on Notre Dame to start us off. Because in general, we always talk about you ought to be able to think about how you're going to lose a bet uh, mm-hmm. when, you're, when you're on the spread because you know your 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 odds of winning aren't ever 95. percent You're never 95 percent going to win a spread bet, right? So yeah. uh, the way you know you lose this bet, kind of as you said, Navy pulls up the trick plays, kind of pulls the little giants route. You know, if yeah. if, if if I'm aging myself there, if you've seen that movie, you know the right trick plays, the, the gimmicky type things, get a touchdown here, a touchdown there, really limit Notre Dame from having the ball. It's going to have to be the perfect storm, though, I think, for them to really hang in this game and and make it where we don't have a chance to cover it, yep. simply because it's not just that Navy's going to have to hit the trick plays. Like you said, they're going to have to keep the ball out of Notre Dame's hand, which means sustained offense. And that's what you want to do with the triple option. If this triple option is rolling like it was, whatever, five years ago, six years ago, back in Navy's kind of heyday, they have an absolute chance to kind of keep this a one-score game because they can have that seven, eight minute drive and just really kind of take the will out of the other side. That's not the Navy that we have seen of late offensively. And a new coach might change that. It's probably not going to change it here on week zero. Uh, And them struggling, Notre Dame's got a really good defense. They've had all offseason to prep here for this triple option. Notre Dame's off next week, coming back uh, from from Europe. So, uh, you know, they don't really have any reason not to have prepped for this game. It's not a look-ahead spot really for them. I don't, actually, I don't even know 100% if they're off. I assume they're off. That makes sense. If they're mm-hmm. playing, that's somebody did a really bad job with the schedule. Um, yeah. So they, they should be off. Uh, so Notre Dame minus 28 grade under 51 B grade for us. Taking us to UTEP and Jacksonville State. And folks, um, <laughs> this game's going to be ugly. I've got this as... Um, you know, UTEP being the 122nd best team, Jacksonville State, the 131st best team, not the worst team. There are two worst teams. And of course, folks, lucky you, we're going to cover both of those worst teams later in this episode. Um, Two pretty terrible teams, pretty close to a pick them here. And either one's good on offense, either one's be good on defense. I mean, this is just not, I mean, there's nothing good to say about this game. Uh, I think, you know, we're kind of leaning UTEP here. And and I have the, the, the reason for you here is uh, I think people are getting a little bit too caught up in what happened last year with James Madison, who as our, as our fifth president of this country has a little more clout than Jacksonville state because everyone knows Jacksonville is a state. That's my hard hitting analysis. Cousin Jerry, do you have any actual analysis for us? Yeah. So, I mean, if you look at, I'm a little bit confused by this line and I'm not here to say that UTEP is a great football team. I'm not saying that at all, but they, they won seven games in 2021. They won five games in 2022. And I mean, for, for, for UTEP standards, I mean, 12 wins over the course of two seasons is really, really good for UTEP. Again, UTEP, not a great football team. That's partially a product of playing in Conference USA. Uh, Conference USA, even more diluted uh, this year. And mm-hmm. so, conference, conference game, by the way. Can't, can't, I mean, not that it matters because no one cares about this conference, but this is a yeah, conference game. Yeah, yeah and, 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 and even me, uh, such a huge college football fan, it's even getting to the point where it's difficult for me to care about Conference USA. Yeah. yeah um, so it could I be fun. Like, in a, yeah, a yeah. Way. Like UTEP is just like an annoying 
low-level FBS college football team. I mean, they beat yeah. Boise State last year. Now, that was like the, the absolute nadir of uh, Boise State season. Like, it, it, that was the absolute worst part of it. They got better from, from there on. But they beat Boise State. They hang in games all the time that they shouldn't really hang in. I think for Jacksonville State, for their first game as an FBS team, this is like – I think mentally it's going to put Jacksonville state in a tough spot because it's like UTEP. You're like, Oh yeah, we should beat UTEP. And you're going to get on the field with UTEP and you're gonna be like, UTEP's not atrocious. Like yeah. they're, they're okay for a conference USA team. And so this is for me, I think that this is just a little too short. I would lean UTEP as well. I know it's on the road, but I just think the past couple of seasons, same coach and everything, same style of offense, same style of defense. These are the type of games that UTEP has won the, the past couple of years. And so, yeah, it, I don't, feel super strong about it, but definitely I would lean towards laying the point with UTEP. That's, uh, you know, exactly the way I would put it here. We're going to go UTEP minus one as a C grade pick worth investing in, just going to scale back simply because the model isn't really loving this. As you can see, model says minus 1.2. So the model doesn't love it because uh, Jared and I were both kind of, you know, there's just a lot of variability with Jacksonville State coming up. We don't know exactly. We have some data. We have some idea, you know, but you, you know, you're not 100% sure what to expect here. Um, but I think the reason why UTEP's a smart investment, even for a small amount of money, is exactly like you said. We have seen over the last two years UTEP wins these types of games. They beat the New Mexico States, who also went to a bowl game last year. Uh, you know, it's, it's a, you know, a terrible, you know, conference here that they're yeah. kind of all playing in now. Like I almost use that word loosely, and Jacksonville State falls in that category of, of a bunch of bad teams, and Utah kind of beats the bad teams, and they lose to the good teams. And yeah. and Jacksonville State, we don't think is going to be a good team. They're not James Madison. James Madison lost five games in the three seasons preceding their move to Division One. They were a juggernaut. They lost five games in three seasons. Three of those came in the playoffs. Two in the semifinals. One of the championship game. Of course, North Dakota State. If they moved up, instantly would become a bowl team every single season yeah. with how good they are. Yeah. You know, you know, James Madison was really, really good. Jackson State was a solid FCS team, but they're also two years removed from a five and six season. Obviously, you have a new coach, and that matters. But it's just. I just don't think they're in the same class as James yeah. Madison anywhere yeah. near it. And so I think we're getting a little bit caught up in that and that, and UTEP, you know, it, it, if, if they were to play a team like James Madison or North Dakota state coming up, maybe even a South Dakota state coming up to be completely honest, it's a little bit tougher of an ask, but I think Jacks will say a tier below. These are the types of games they've done a really good job in. They're well coached. They just don't have a lot of talent, unfortunately. Yeah. And that well coaching makes them, I think worth a small, investment the total on this one we are going to pass the model uh projects 51.4 uh the actual total uh that we're seeing here is 52 so uh you know yeah the totals i think are going to be all over the map some of them are going to hit with these and not with these there's a lot we don't know yet but uh i don't really see any edge and the total on this one of course sucking in there do you have any words to say about rich rodriguez making his triumphant return to fbs football there was a reason Rich Rodriguez didn't work out at Michigan. There was a reason he didn't work out at Arizona. There was a reason that he didn't stick around as the offense coordinator at Louisiana Monroe. I mean, yeah, probably going to be the best Jacksonville state can, can do. Um, but he's just, I haven't seen anything from Rich Rodriguez yeah. the past handful of years that would make me think that he should gonna take him to, to excellent heights. Maybe in this conference, they get to a bowl game. I think that's the best case scenario. Um, if they can play them, whenever they're eligible, they won't be yeah. this year. For sure. yeah. Probably not even next year. Um, but yeah, it's just Rich Rodriguez, definitely. I think more of a name than uh, somebody who actually makes a difference on the sidelines these days. Yeah. Yeah.
Speaking of names, UMass and New Mexico State. Uh, Ooh, this is why you come to this show, folks. Uh, New Mexico State, uh, you know, 81 offense is the best offense they offensive grade they've probably had in yeah. Uh, yeah. probably ever, probably, probably ever. Um, Pavia, uh, pretty solid quarterback. Unfortunately, he's kind of the, the, the everything to that offense and mm-hmm. can only make the offense so good because there's just not a lot of skill around him yet. Now, maybe. Maybe they're building off of the bowl. Maybe they've got some talent coming in. They might get yep. better and better. They might be on the way up. We don't really know. UMass, uh, I can guarantee you, is not on the way up. Uh, UMass um, ranked 133rd. Uh, right now I have them as the absolute worst team in college football. Uh, a very not nice set of ratings uh, for them. Mexico State's supposed to win this game by about seven According to the model, right now they're favored by seven and a half. The model has two weak leans on this one. It would lean toward UMass at plus seven and a half. It would lean towards the over 44 and a half as the model projects 46.7, 44 and 45, both key numbers here. Um, UMass is so terrible. I feel like it's hard to really try to even predict the average game that they're going to play yeah, because yeah. they're just so bad. Uh, Cause Jared, what's the best way to attack this game in your opinion? In my opinion, I would take the over 44 and a half. I think we should give a B grade to the over 44 and a half. I, I mean, UMass's defense is just very, very not good. New Mexico state's defense, Definitely nothing to write home about necessarily, but a little bit better. Uh, you mentioned the quarterback for New Mexico State. I think he's probably definitely the best offensive player in this game. I think New Mexico State is going to be able to put up some points. But both of these teams are, are very bad. And I think that there's this, or at least historically, there's been this um, connotation or this idea that you know the offenses are a little behind, the defenses are ahead at the beginning of the season. I think that's that's wrong. I, I think that offenses, especially with the, just become more of an offensive game. These kids are playing seven on seven football from the time they're in, you know, 11, 12 years old, whatever it is. I think it's kind of the opposite now. I think that the offenses are the ones that come into the season pretty, you know, ready to go. And it's the defenses that are kind of having to, to catch up. So I would lean towards over 44 and a half. These are two bad teams, but I, I think that the, the, the not greatness of the defenses are really going to shine through here. Yeah, there's a lot of not greatness that you can see on the screen there. Yeah. Over 44 and a half is a B grade. Uh, Cousin Jared, would you still play it? I'm assuming you still played it to be at 45, probably yeah, not, not 45 at, and yeah, a half. Not, not at 45 and a half. Yeah. No. Yeah. Obviously, this kind of looks more like an A grade at 43 and a half. I don't yes. know if the numbers can yeah. move a lot. These numbers have been out there for a long time. Weeks are week one. They've been out there. They're kind of stale. Uh, yeah. So your edges are a little bit smaller. You kind of have to hunt a little bit more than, than other weeks. We're going to have an out show out early. We're going to try to get to the lines early in the week and get good edges here. But 44, 45, both being key numbers. Those two points can really shift you, uh, you know, easily from, from yeah. small amount to large amount of money that you want or vice versa in this case, over 44 and a half B grade on that one. Ohio and San Diego state. This is the game of the weekend here. You've got two actually, quasi-decent football teams, both with a severe flaw. But given the conference they play in, both of these teams should be bowl eligible. They should uh, you know, be right in the middle of things for their conference. In a good year, you would expect both of these teams to compete for a conference championship. In a down year, you'd expect you know, still a bowl game, especially for Ohio, given how weak the MAC is. The Mountain West, a little bit tougher for San Diego State to, uh, to navigate. 
uh, cousin Jared, I think the key in this game is that uh, as good as Rourke is for Ohio, and he is fantastic. He, he's mm-hmm. not the only player on that offense. And he makes that offense a 97 grade, which is incredible for Max standards. Ohio and Toledo have average offenses for the Mac. And everybody else's offenses in, in the 70s and 80s. I mean, it's terrible mm-hmm. offenses uh, for so much for the Mac. And so he looks good compared to the Mac. Yeah, uh, definitely better than San Diego State's offense. San Diego State's offense not very good, as you can see there with an 85 grade. But San Diego State's defense is pretty good, actually better than average. And Ohio's defense projects to be kind of a problem. We're going to have strength on strength with Ohio with the ball yep. against San Diego State's really good defense, and we're going to have weakness on weakness with San Diego State. Uh, you know, not being able to move the ball, but Ohio not being able to stop anybody. Because there's other games in San Diego at San Diego State, I, I kind of I cannot get Toledo out of my head. Toledo went to San Diego mm-hmm. State last year early in the season without Toledo would do so well. They were looking really good, really strong, and just could not score. Yep. And I think that's what we saw is that these MAC offenses that are really good are still going to struggle against your better than average defenses. And San Diego State didn't score a ton of points, but yep. uh, you know. Toledo's defense is kind of as bad as Ohio's. San Diego State won that by a field goal. Uh, and that's kind of what we're thinking now. Model says San Diego State by 5.7. Thinks they're a little bit better, plus playing at home. This has got a 57% chance to cover. So it's a decent model pick here. San Diego State minus three. This number is really pivotal here at minus three. It was four, four and a half earlier on last week. Don't know where this number is going to go. Four, four and a half. Probably a pass at that point, but but hmm. at three, knowing that three is the most common outcome of college football games, kind of makes San Diego State worth a play. It's a B grade for us because Jared, tell us more. So if anybody watched our season preview shows, y'all kind of know how I feel about San Diego State. Definitely not the highest on them. And at that four, four and a half number that you mentioned, I was ready to pull the trigger the opposite way and back Ohio. But I agree with you, since this has come down to three, I think that makes San Diego State more of the correct play. And that may sound silly, you know, just crossing a a couple of numbers like that, but those are the most key numbers in college football. And so it really does make a a big difference. Completely agree with you. It's very difficult to look past that Toledo-San Diego State game last year because if there's anybody in the the MAC that you can say – it's very similar offensively to Ohio. It is Toledo. And I think we could agree that Toledo has better defense than what o- yep. Ohio has. So yep. I, maybe I was just getting caught up in, in the roar hype and thinking, how is this? I think definitely at times putrid San Diego state offense going to be able yes. to keep up with work. But like you said, San Diego state has a very good uh, defense and we'll at least be able to contain him a little bit. So I'm good with laying the three points and, and making it a, a, a B grade. San Diego State, I think, just has too much. Um, we kind of know exactly what who they are, and the team that they are has definitely won these types of games in the past by making the game ugly and low scoring. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. That'll take us to our next game here, Hawaii and Vanderbilt. Uh, everyone remembers this game from last year. Yes, on week zero, a game we were all excited to watch late at night and and be the dessert to our week zero mm-hmm. college football experience of 2022. And the game was over almost before it started. Yep. We did see a Hawaii team that improved drastically about the halfway point of the season. Hawaii last year, Hawaii and Nevada were the two teams last year that just lost 
literally everybody for two yeah. completely different reasons, uh, both coach related. And, uh, you know, now as the, as the season moved along, they kept getting better and better and better. And we definitely backed them a handful of times later on the season. They were covering, they were hanging around in some of those conference games, looking much more competitive. Uh, obviously, we don't think they're going to go on the road and win this game. But, um, you know, Vanderbilt, you know, kind of as always, a decent team overall if they were playing in any other conference. Uh, if they were playing in not one of the best, maybe three conferences right now, obviously, you know, SEC, Big 12 and, um, you know, Big 10, a little bit different. Any other conference in college football, they could probably hang around and be mediocre, make a bowl game. But of course, in the SEC, it's going to be tough for them there with that below average defense. Uh, you know, I think it's going to be more of the same for Vanderbilt. Not a, again, not a terrible team, just going to be a really tough schedule. They're likely going to win this game. But an improved Hawaii team might hang around. Model says it should be Vanderbilt by, by 15 Right now, this number's in the 15.5, range. Uh, it was 17.5 earlier in the week. It's dipped down a little bit with some Hawaii money, uh, moving the number down. Because, Jared, what's your recommendation for people now that we've missed out on what would have been a solid pick at 17.5? Mm -hmm. If you were with us on the baseball show last week, I said that basically sports betting is math and psychology. And I mentioned how neither one of us here have a degree in psychology. With that in mind, let me tell you the psychology behind how this is going to happen. Everybody, as this game gets closer to happening, I cannot imagine people not having flashbacks to what happened out in Hawaii last year and just mm -hmm. Vanderbilt just absolutely demolishing them. And people mm -hmm. say, wait, this game is at home in Nashville. Why is this line only 15, 15 and a half, 16 points? This makes no sense. This Hawaii team is terrible. And I will grant you this Hawaii team Number one is is not good. Uh, number two, when they ranked, ranked 116th, uh, not that's not good. That's actually higher than I thought it was going to be, though. But where I was going with that was when they played Vanderbilt last year, they were even much worse than mm. what they are right now. So, people, I'm saying all this to say, I would recommend holding off on this. I think this line is going to go back out closer to 17. And so, as the week goes on, keep your eye on eye on it. If it gets back up to 17, maybe we'll, we'll grab grab them then. If it doesn't get back out to 17, I don't, I don't know. Right now, uh, just of note, full disclosure, one of the, the sites that we use here, minus 15 and a half, but it's big, it's big plus, not big plus odds, but plus odds on the plus, the, 110. Uh, plus 110 on the uh, getting 15 and a half points with Hawaii. I would still take that uh, with those odds. If you're not getting plus odds there, it's a little bit different. Um, but anyway, just keep your eye on it, people. I think this is going to go back out to 17, and I would try to wait and grab that number there. As you can see on the screen, probability they cover 15 and a half is 51%. If you can get a 51% bet at plus 110, that's going to make for a profitable investment. So we, we'd be thinking probably B to C grade, depending on how you feel about this, uh, at this number at the 15 and a half at the plus odds, if it holds yep. there. If instead of the juice being adjusted, the number gets back out uh, across 17, that becomes a little more valuable. Uh, Hawaii might get run again, but you know you make a good point there. Shortly after that Hawaii game, Hawaii fell to the worst team in yep. sideline. And it wasn't just my rankings. It was basically everybody's. Yep. Uh, and in some cases, the worst team by a long shot. Uh, but then they slowly started to climb as the season moved along. They're bringing a bunch of guys back. Uh, that's the benefit of having a player-based model is I have all the data from last year, know who's back, that sort of thing. And they're not going to be good. Uh, but they're not going to be terrible. Vanderbilt, of course, 73rd 
according to sideline right now. Uh, should win this game, 84% chance of winning it. Uh, Hawaii pulling the upset would be fairly surprising, but uh, maybe a little bit of revenge on their mind after after last year. Uh, you know, again, not, not a game I expect them to hang around in, yeah. in, in and win, but one that a lot of times you can lose by two touchdowns, and that would get us to win here. Yeah, and again, as the resident psychologist, if Vanderbilt goes into this game thinking that the outcome is going to be what the outcome of the last game was, and this is the same team that they played this time last year, that's when they're going to be in, in trouble, which I'm sure that's like literally the number one thing that every football coach tries to do is be like, we have to play this single game, and this team is not the same team that it was, and yada, 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 all that stuff. So I'm sure the coaches aren't going to let that happen. But if the, people, if the players have that in the back of their mind, that's going to be like the biggest thing they have to overcome. You make a great point, though. Everyone knows the same things. The coaches know the same things. And yeah. for all the times that we know that coaches have said things like that in locker rooms, teams yeah. still sometimes come out with a lack of focus, right? And, and so if it was as easy as, oh, well, we know you shouldn't overlook this team. It's like, well, the, every coach would be like, oh, if it was only that easy, like, how, yeah. do, I, how, how do I get my guys to do that? You think on the first game of the season, you think they're going to come fired up. Absolutely. But if, like you said, it's like we were talking about multiple ways to win this, right? Hawaii, a much better team might hang around, uh, you know, but but even if that's not the case, we have an avenue to winning this if Vanderbilt overlooks them and comes out a little bit slow as well. Uh, so Hawaii, probably worth a look. Going to check the odds out later in the week, though, and see if we like a number uh, later on better. 8 p.m. Eastern, San Jose State at USC. Because, Jared, this game is on Pac-12 Network. That's sad. It's sad. Uh, USC should be big favorites, of course. Notice San Jose State's offense, not terrible. Gets a 91 grade below average, but not bad. Yeah, Chevin um, Cordero. I mean, his 15th year in college. Yeah, it's never been. Speaking of Hawaii, right? Yeah. Um, that defense, though, my goodness. Not great, Bob. That's that's really bad. Uh, yeah. USC projected based off of the transfers of the returning players, USC projected to take a little bit of a step back on offense this year yeah, and a little okay. bit of a step. I'll believe that forward, when it happens. And a little bit of a step forward on defense. Also, we'll also I'll believe, believe it when that. it happens. <laughs> yeah. If this is not the case, I think it's one of those where maybe that's the, the kind of prognostic based off the transfers, based off of returning production, based off of uh, you know who they lost in the draft, etc. Uh, if that's not the case, we still think USC is going to be good. It's just the question is, are they going to be good uh, by you know amazing offense and mediocre defense, or uh, very good offense and solid defense, right? Kind of where are they going to fall on that scale? We know they're going to be very good. They're the eighth-ranked team, according to Sideline, entering the season. And as usual, there is a cluster of teams that are not very far apart in that, you know, fifth through 15th range where a good showing early on is going to shuffle that around. So I wouldn't get too caught up in the fact that they're preseason eighth in Sideline. They're going to be a good team. Uh, there's just not a lot of difference between some of those teams. We have USC... By 37 and a half, largely because you have a very good offense in USC, a very terrible defense in San Jose State, and USC's going to score every time they have the ball if they desire to. Because uh, Jared, I love this 99% probability. Uh, there's a good case to be made. This is going to be the biggest blow we will cover on show. We're not going to cover every game mm -hmm. uh, this season, and I cannot see us covering a game with quite as big of a projected difference. So for the first and only time this season, you will see on screen 
99% chance of winning. Santa's State getting a 1% chance of winning is basically a nominal percent. I really don't think it's actually that high. I think it's probably closer to zero, but I, the, the math is kind of like, yeah, but like something weird could happen, right? Yep. Uh, uh, I, I guess... It's kind of hard to see it, but yeah. um, again, the, the math is kind of holding out hope, I guess, for that 1%. Yeah. We really like USC here. Model projects a large win. They're favored by 30. You're covering a bunch of key numbers there, although they get less key as you get bigger, of course. Uh, but Southern Cal at 30 seems like a pretty good investment. Model also really likes this under 64 and a half. Um, projects 58. Again, models projecting USC's offense to not be quite as good. The defense to be a little bit better. If that's wrong, USC might get to uh, sixty-four and a half by themselves. They might put up. They might put up sixty-six by themselves. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. this is the same USC offense we saw before, but not sure their offense would be quite as good. Defense a little bit better. He heard all offseason, especially after that bowl game, about how that defense needs to step up. If that defense has improved a little bit. Little chip on their shoulder. How many points is San Jose State going to score? I know they've got a decent offense relative to those standards, but USC might come out and really try to exert their will here on defense. And, and I will say that USC has gotten some defensive transfers that historically Lincoln Riley, te- Lincoln Riley teams have not gotten. So are those handful of players going to make that much of a difference? I don't know. Uh, but at least they have gotten some defensive transfers that they haven't historically got in the past. But you're burying the lead here. We got Caleb Williams. We got Lincoln Riley. But how could we forget about college football's top GQ model, Cliff Kingsbury? Welcome back to college football. Oh, yes. Yeah, the, yes. the quarterback coach there at USC. And I like just the offensive, like, I don't know, sexuality. I don't know. Can I can I say that on this show? Uh, just I mean, you just from did, Lincoln so Riley. Yeah, for oozing from Lincoln Riley and Cliff Kingsbury. I mean, this team's going to score a bajillion points this season. That's my estimate. So sure, A grade on USC. They're going to blow out San Jose State. I want to talk about the total here for a second, though, because I agree with you. I think we should give a B grade to the under 64 and a half. I agree with you. I agree with sideline. The way that this under loses, because I mean, what is what is USC have to, to prove here? It would not shock me. You know, Caleb Williams has his Heisman Trophy. He's definitely the front runner for the Heisman Trophy going into this year. It's not like he needs to run up the score against San Jose State and get all these stats in, in week zero against San Jose State. So you could see some backups in there. Will the backup store still score points against San Jose State? Probably. But I think the way that this under loses is if USC's defense plays like it did last year in the sense that Gave up tons of yards and everything, but man, they were opportunistic on the turnovers and put USC's offense in position to score quickly a a lot of times and a lot of defensive touchdowns. And so I think if this loses, it's not about what USC's offense does. It's about what USC's Mm -hmm. defense does and giving the backups a lot of short fields or get a special teams touchdown or or something like that. That, That's how I think this under uh, would be a loser. They had that game against Rice where they scored like yeah. three, had three pick sixes, maybe four. I mean, it was crazy. Yeah. Uh, and, and that was the thing last year with USC's defense. It's I don't know what the plan was. I never talked to the coaches. I never you know heard, you know had an interview with them. So I don't really know. I, mm-hmm. I would love to ask the question, you know, and, and get the honest answer because obviously you get coach speak right. But I would love to know the answer to the question. Was the game plan just our defense is terrible, so we're just going to go for turnovers, and if we give up scores, who cares because our offense can score? Because that's what it felt like watching USC play. It was just looking for the ball, trying to intercept the ball, trying to force fumbles, and if it didn't go well, who cared? And they they should be better. They should now, again, taking taking a look under the hood of sideline. 
It's those transfers. That's why the defense projects to be better than average. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, a, and a slightly better than average defense is still going to give up some points against the better teams. Tulane's offense last year was good. They still would, even this defense would give up some points until maybe not quite as many as they did, of course. Uh, but, you know, if they're better than average, they should be able to stop San Jose State. You're right. The questions will be turnovers. How many do they get? Do they get any pick sixes? Do they get any short fields, et cetera? But that's going to be the question. And the model really believes in these transfers based off of their body of work from last year, thinks that there's going to be good things in store for this USC defense this year. We'll find out that there's going to be some teams whose ratings don't really move a lot after a week or two because we're going to kind of say, yeah, we have some really good data last year. This USC team probably isn't one of those. If their defense looks questionable again early on, that defensive rating is going to plummet. But there's a chance this defense might be decent. And so that's kind of your maybe your, your, your hidden nugget here for week zero is take note of this USC defense. They might be improved with all those transfers despite all the things you heard about them and how questionable they were last year the transfers may have fallen flat in their face and who knows there may be something in the water in 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 los angeles that prevents usc defenses from being good the other question of course how bad was the usc defense because they were constantly on the field because the offense constantly scored insanely fast right so you have that is still going to be a potential problem uh for them but usc is an a grade at minus 30 we're going to take a stab at the under 64 and a half at a b grade and hopefully um usc only puts up you know about 45 points, we'll say, uh, yeah. maybe 52. I think San Jose State might get about 10. So 52 to yeah. 10, 48 to 10, 45 to 10, 49 to 10. Yep. There's just some reasonable scoring options here for us to get the under, which takes us to the last game, and it's a doozy. Uh, Florida International yeah. and Louisiana Tech. Louisiana Tech, a, a an average offense, uh, but a terrible defense. FIU, a terrible offense and a terrible defense. What a combination that is. Yeah. Uh, FIU, not the worst team, according to sideline, only the second worst team. So congrats to them. Louisiana Tech is ranked 107th. Louisiana Tech, a strong contender in Conference USA. 107th in that conference is something to write home about because mm-hmm. of the mediocre teams in that conference. Um, should be an easy win for the home team here. Model says they win 77% of the time. By an average of 11.3 points, the issue is that the spread is 11. So it's pretty spot on there. Because uh, the total also pretty spot on, according to the model. Total is set by the books at 58.5. Model says 58.2. So the model is really aligned with the books on this one, a game we think that Louisiana Tech will win. Uh, but that 11 points seems like a pretty strong number. What's your take on this game? Well, number one, uh, it's the last game on the schedule and the last game in our hearts. Um, I would rather watch New Mexico State and UMass than, than this game. This one I, I'm not super interested in. However, um, what I would say is I think the odds of both of these teams showing up and playing well is low, would, would be my guess. Um, and you talked about how bad FIU's uh, offense is. It is very, very putrid. And so yeah. I would lean towards the under 58 and a half, maybe at like a C grade. That's just one of the most key numbers in college football. And I feel like the books are begging you to go over and they think, well, we can set this half a point above that very key number and you'll still go over because look at how bad both of these defenses are. But I think that's being overplayed a little bit. There's a reason both of these teams are really bad and that is that they both have hard time scoring and so anyway the defenses may be bad i don't think the offenses are great either being north of a key number like that let's take the under 
obviously you're this is why this is a C grade. You like it a little bit more at 59 because 58, 59 are both key numbers yeah. in college football. It's just the difference between did you get one field goal or three. And so it's yeah. uh, I think 58 is a little more key than 59, uh, but it's up by a ton, right? 59 kind of matters as well. This game could easily end right on 59. So uh, 59, 59 and a half, that's where the grade becomes a little bit stronger. We got another key number under our belt. We're always just looking to get an extra couple of percentage points towards our edge, and that makes for a good uh, investment. Still think the under 58.5 is worth a play, especially to wrap up your night here. Cousin Jared, we told the people to wait on Hawaii. My follow-up question to you, would you tell people to wait on this one as well, hoping it goes to 59, hoping it goes to 59.5? Especially in the late night, would you recommend maybe a last-minute play? Maybe not quite last-minute because the Sharps are going to come in at some point, but maybe a couple mm-hmm. hours for a kick. How many people are going to be in that late game rooting for points, driving mm-hmm. the number up? Or do you recommend just locking in this one because 58 is a key number? Do you recommend a, a half your unit now, put, put the C grade, you know, now hold back a little bit, add a little bit more if you can get to yeah. nine and a half? Yeah, I like that idea of putting half a unit or so, so on the under at 58 and a half and then maybe you can get that upward move especially if people are like looking at how terribly rated these defenses are and maybe you see it, it tick up there but again like the defenses may be really bad but like there's a reason these teams are not good it's because the offenses are not good mm-hmm. either mm-hmm. And, and so yeah i like the idea of putting half unit on under 58 and a half now and then wait and see what the number does the rest of the week mm-hmm. all right good to note uh cousin jared that is the week zero slate. Parting words for the viewer. So this is like the appetizer at that local steak place that you go to where the steak is really, really good. And there's like some law that they have to have a salad because they can't just like mm. stuff you with carbs and meat. And the salad is not very good. It's like straight from the refrigerator and it's probably prepared a couple of days ago, which is probably against the law, but you have to eat it anyway. That's what this week is like, but ju- don't worry, folks. We've got week one coming up next week. We've got Florida and Utah on uh, mm. Thursday. We get our first late Hawaii game. We don't even have to wait long into the season. Friday night, this next week, we get our Stanford at Hawaii. And then once we get to Saturday, how many points will Iowa score this year? We've got Boise State and Washington. That'll be fun to talk about. We've got a new offense at Wisconsin. Notre Dame actually is playing a home game next week. Are uh, they really? Wow. They, they are. And uh, the go. game, I can't tell if the game's on Peacock or not. Uh, and then we've got – Terrible scheduling. Yeah, South Carolina and North Carolina. I think that's going to be a very exciting mm. game. And then the matchup that I know everybody is waiting for next week, the clash of styles, Texas Tech going to Wyoming. Can't wait to break that one down. Um, it should be a, a good week. But I, th- I thought you were going to go with the analogy on – the salad, blah, blah, blah. But you're so hungry. You're like, you know what? It's getting something in my belly and it's worth it. Cause that's kind of how I feel that we're hungry enough for college football that we're like, you know what? We'll eat it. We don't really care. We need, we need the food. We need yeah. the food. Yeah. You can, you can toss enough like Caesar dressing or something yeah. out of it. That'll make it like, you know, edible. Yeah. That's what we're going to, that's, and that's yeah. why God invented sports betting. Yes. Uh, yes. To toss enough sports betting on to make this week enjoyable yep. because uh, yep. otherwise these games again ohio san diego state good otherwise it's yep. really going to be all about how you can make money hopefully uh you can do some with some of these picks and that will yeah. do us thank you for tuning into this episode of picks with the professor don't forget to subscribe so you can show the sports betting content provided on this channel is dropped right into your feed we'll be back all week with baseball betting content and again next week with the week one action but as always best of luck and remember you can get your betting money but please Don't bet you're eating money.